Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast channel where we discuss careers in tech and job search experience for immigrants in the U.S. I'm your host, Anna Naumova, an immigrant myself and a former product manager at Apple. I'm thrilled to be here sharing my knowledge and insights with all of you. Is the product manager role still lucrative in 2023? How challenging is the job market for product managers right now? What mistakes do candidates make and how can they get a job offer in current market? Is it still a good time to start a PM career? And what tricks can junior product managers use to land a job offer? We will be focusing on this episode. Stay tuned. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you a favor. Please subscribe to my channel. Each week I release new videos about job search and immigration to the US. If you need a perfect ATS friendly resume or uh, an advanced LinkedIn profile, please visit ananaumova.com to, to schedule a call with me. I also just released my ultimate guide for immigrants on how to create a perfect American resume and LinkedIn profile. You can find the link in the video description below. So my guest today is Jenny Zhao, co-founder and CPO of IQ Recruit, ex-VP of product at IQ Talent, and also ex-director of staffing. Hi, Jenny. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Great. So you're such a great combination of product manager and uh, like re recruitment style, uh, side. So I'm really glad to you to be here. And I hope you will share a lot of useful information from both sides, being a product manager and being a recruiter. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, recently, I've helped co-found a company called IQ Recruit. It's a software product that helps recruiters automate the candidate sourcing process. Um, prior to that, I was uh, working at a um, really large insure tech company based out of Nashville, um, and I was leading uh, our digital products there for the last um, couple years there. And um, prior to my um, product career over the last few years, I actually came from uh, the recruiting world. So um, kind of um, sandwiched uh, a product and tech career in between um, the staffing and recruiting world. And I found myself boomeranged back into recruiting uh, again. So. <laughs> yeah, you're such a perfect candidate to be on my podcast and sharing your knowledge about product management and uh, recruitment. Perfect. Yeah. So you're co-founder of uh, uh, the company called IQ Recruit. What does your company do and who are your clients? How, how do you help them? Yeah, so um, one of the aspects of the recruiting process is finding the candidates. So our primary customers are typically going to be recruiters, or um, in some cases for smaller companies, they could be um, hiring managers or even a co-founder, but anyone who's looking to hire. Uh, what we do is we automate that candidate sourcing process. So traditionally speaking, recruiters, when they're looking to try to fill a role, um, they have to go on a number of different places to find candidates. Uh, that could be actively looking through candidate databases or um, most commonly, you know, put a, putting up a job posting and then sifting through hundreds and hundreds of um, resumes in order to try to find those like handful of people that are actually a fit for their role. Um, what IQ Recruit aims to do is to uh, save our customers time so that they don't have to go to all of these different places. And instead, they can just get a curated list of uh, candidate leads delivered directly to them in their inbox. Mm -hmm. Could you share some insights? How, how do you select those candidates? Uh, we've heard already about ATS system, that, uh, which uh, actually select uh, candidates based on like keywords and other important information. Do you do anything differently? Yeah, very much so. So we're not an applicant tracking system. That's <laughs> a very clear distinction um, because our candidates that we provide aren't applicants. 
um, with applicant tracking systems, as the name suggests, you only get to see candidates that have discovered your job to begin with. And not only that, you've only see candidates that have actually gone through the process and taken the time to finish your application. Um, so you're really limited to a specific pool of people using applicant tracking systems. Also, as you said, um, a lot of them look at things like keywords and frequency of words, um, which for a lot of jobs isn't necessarily the best way to find the best candidate. And so you miss a lot of candidates that are qualified and you might filter through candidates that aren't qualified. They just had chat GPT write their resume for them. Where we're different is we're actually, um, um, anybody that has a publicly available profile on the open web, so LinkedIn's included in that, but if you have public information on say like crunch, if you have a crunch-based profile, for example, or you have a profile on a company website, that's all information that we're um, able to go and scrape. So instead of waiting for people to apply for jobs, what we're able to do is find the best candidate for the job that our customers are trying to fill. And in doing so, it really broadens um, who we're able to present to our customers, uh, as well as looking through things like act actual real past experiences versus how good somebody is at adding keywords to their resume. That's super interesting. So like which, which tools are you uh, scraping uh, sources? Like you already mentioned LinkedIn. It's like pr probably like the, the number one uh, place to create a, a profile. Uh, so the second one you mentioned, Crunchbase. So uh, in, anything else I need to create profiling? as a candidate to be scraped by you? It's it's not necessarily specific websites where you need to create a profile in. It's just making sure wherever you have publicly available information, keep it up to date. So it's as simple as, you know, updating your LinkedIn. Or if you do have a personal website, for example, um, that can get scraped by the open web as well. So uh, it's about just having that. Um, it's, not, it's less about having a specific profile on a specific site. It's more about having a public presence um, on the web that uh, ties you as a person to your work experience. Mm -hmm. Can I make assumption that the more uh, public you are, the easiest for uh, recruiters to find your information about yourself? Like to yeah, be I, more I would, public, I would, yeah? Yeah, I would kind of think of it as... Um, you know, like SEO marketing for yourself as a person, instead of SEO marketing for a company, you're trying to make yourself discoverable. If um, that's, you know, uh, there, there's kind of two ways of recruiting, right? There's passive candidate recruiting and active candidate recruiting. Active is what most people are familiar with, where you're actually applying for a job. Um, passive recruiting is um, what's traditionally called headhunting, where somebody actually um, approaches you for an opportunity. In order to be able to get approached, you have to be able to be discovered and found. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's, it's actually a really interesting topic because I, I think that like in the current market, uh, is it really necessary for companies to do this headhunting? Because they the companies received uh, like thousands of applications right now. Do they really need to source and find like another candidate? They have enough. Yeah. So um, ironically enough, that's a great question. Ironically enough, um, given the sheer volume, uh, we've actually found our product to um, really be valuable to recruiters because they're so inundated of volume that they can't get through it all. You know, it's like one thing when you have, you know, maybe like 50 resumes to look through, but when you have 500 and you don't really trust the, um, you know, AI filters in your applicant tracking systems, what choice do you have? You either go through all 500 or you don't get through them all, right? There's not really an in-between there. So um, interestingly enough, in this type of environment where there's uh, the pendulum has gone completely to the other side and there's just so much sheer volume, um, recruiters are overwhelmed. Um, they put up a job posting, they get you know, hundreds of resumes in two hours, and they don't even know where to start. Because um, the problem with that is, it's not just it's not quality resumes, 
they're getting um, just a lot, a lot of people are applying be, um, because of the way the market is right now, because it is challenging. But because of that, when you have maybe about 10%, 5% of your applicants actually being relevant for the role or people who've actually read the job description, you know, you can get really fatigued looking through all of those applicants. And so um, this gives people an alternative to, again, look at the quality of the applicant, look for the best um, person for your job, not the best applicant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is like, a, I see two approach uh, approaches. So like the first one, the like recruiters, uh, the companies uh, post the job um, description on LinkedIn and get thousands of application and then use ADA system to select top 10 uh, like percent of uh, candidates, like 100 resumes, right? And go through them or they can use your tool just and um, avoid that posting on LinkedIn and getting like thousands of uh, like irrelevant uh, applications and just be proactive and select, I don't know, t- top 20 candidates uh, based on your uh, score. Is that correct assumption? Um, I, I mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. So I, I, I don't really see ourselves as um, necessarily having to replace anybody's current process. Um, I consider it an alternative and a mm-hmm. way to um, make recruiters more effective and be able to capture an entire talent base that they've previously not easily had access to. So, um, you know, I think I don't think job postings, um, I don't know if they'll, they'll ever go away. Um, I, th- I think there is a place for them and it's a very nuanced depending on the type of job. Um, however, only solely relying on job posting, I think um, you can talk to a lot of recruiters, especially um in those industries where there is a lot of volume right now how um overwhelming it is and how difficult it is to filter through all of that volume all of that noise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like uh anyway i see a really great outcome from this like specific topic that uh as a candidate you have to have public presence not only not only you don't have uh, you have you have uh, to have not only your resume like great perfect resume and just probably not only a LinkedIn profile, you have to have to stand out. You have to have uh, anything else like your website that you mentioned that it's also beneficial for candidates. Is that correct? Yeah, I w- I would say in this current job market, um, to actually spend less time on your resume and more time on your public profile. Um, you know, again, link, we, we say LinkedIn because they have a, a bit of a monopoly on the space and um, it's probably the easiest place to get up and running to get your information out to the public. Um, so for the intents and purposes of this conversation, we can just focus on that. Um, but in this type of uh, job market, I would say the more that you can leverage that LinkedIn network and that public profile, um, that's going to serve somebody much better than um, trying to, you know, figure out all of these ATS systems. And um, just cold applying doesn't work. I mean, the the amount of hires that result in cold applications is um, such a small sliver. Uh, most hires come from a direct introduction or a referral or headhunting or some of these other means. So, um, you know, I think that's one piece of feedback I'd give to um job seekers at this time is it's a necessary evil but if that's the only thing you're doing you're not necessarily set up for success because that's the um, lowest value activity you could be doing Mm -hmm. and we will talk about networking some uh tricks uh trips uh tricks and tips sorry i'm so tired today uh a little bit later but yeah let's switch back to your personal background i think it it's worth to learn a little bit more about you and your career track because it's impressive so tell me about your career journey from recruiter to pm and back to recruiting field again sure so um when I had, um, so interestingly enough, I was a uh, pre-med in college and um, that wasn't necessarily where I landed as you can obviously see. Um, when I had decided that I didn't want to pursue medicine after graduating undergrad, um, I was in California at the time and I loved Southern California. I wanted to stay out there. I did not want to move back home with my parents. And so that meant if I wanted to stay in LA, I had to find a job. 
Um, so I essentially uh, just went with the first job I got an offer at. Um, it happened to be a, a college friend of mine who was working at this company as a recruiter. And um, she uh, referred me. I interviewed. It was the only place I interviewed. It was the, it was the only job offer I got. I had no idea. I said, yes, yeah, sounds great. When, and, when was um, it? Ended- Which year? When was it? Oh gosh, you're making me age myself now. Oh um, no, it was I'm in- sorry. I didn't want <laughs> that. I just want to like just compare with the current market. Is it a long time ago or like? Uh, it was it was 2011. So uh, the the last the last downturn in the market, right? Okay, yeah. But to what what is like 2011? It's it's probably better. Yeah, it's like recovering the market uh, had been recovered from. It was a, it was a yeah. pretty tough time. Yeah, it was tough, still, it was still a pretty tough time. Um, um, I was pretty lucky. The industry that I was in was specific that, that the um particular recruiting industry I was in was construction, mm. so it was a little bit shielded from um a lot of the other downturns. Which, um, interestingly enough, you're seeing that right now too. Is construction is still booming? There's yeah. still no shortage <laughs> of jobs in construction. Um, so I, I always found that kind of a uh, interesting juxtaposition between the industries but um um so I so I I wasn't gonna I wasn't about to be picky about my job and um they were paying me a salary and I got to move by the beach and I got to stay in California so I was like great well we'll we'll do this for a bit and see how see how it goes um I ended up staying at that company for many 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 years took on a number of different roles so um Beyond recruiting, um, I've done sales, I did training there, the department head there. And um, eventually, um, when I, by the time that I left that company, uh, I was leading, I was a general manager of the East Coast and um, Southern offices for that company. So really got to learn, you know, all the ins and outs of uh, staffing and recruiting, but also got to learn a lot about how do you go and build a business and scale a business um, because I it was such it was a smaller company and I was able to um, learn so much and I had really great uh, mentors there that gave me a lot of opportunities to learn. Um, I did make a decision at that point, though. I didn't want to stay in staffing and recruiting at the time. And um, it was my it's the only career I ever had. And I kind of just fell into it. And I ended up finding out um, the last couple of years I was there, we were switching our applicant tracking system. And I really liked the technology piece of it. I loved talking Did you about like? the data. I, I loved yeah. it. I, oh, gosh. <laughs> I, loved, I loved talking about the, I mean, there was challenging. There's a lot of frustrations, but I loved those conversations of, you know, data migration and how do you take this process that we once did for so long and like apply it with this new system and like, you know, what do you give and take in these processes? Why are we doing things this way? Why have we been doing things this way? Asking all these questions. And I really, really enjoyed a lot of that. So I started kind of um, dipping a toe into trying to find technology jobs. Nobody would interview me. Um, my resume was all staff and recruiting. Nobody would give me a call. Like nobody would interview me. And then um, uh, serendipitously, I had a good friend of mine from college, a different college friend, um, who's working at this company. And he said, I have, we have this job in my team. I think you'd be perfect for it. Um, you should come out and interview for it. And um, I did, I took the job. Um, and that's kind of how I eventually was able to take that job, even though it was operations, it was adjacent to product. That's when I was first introduced to product management and um, really loved all the aspects of it. I love the fact that you can kind of build something and put it into the hands of real users, get feedback, measure it. It was tangible. It was real. It was fast. Um, And that's how I ended up um, laterally moving into product from that operations role at this company. So um, and then was that that company for gosh, was it like six or seven years? <laughs> so um, ended up staying there longer than I expected as well. And um, then this opportunity came up last year to co-found a company that marries these two worlds of um, recruiting and all the problems recruiting has with now my newfound uh, product knowledge and being able to combine those two into um, one mission, one company that um, um, I'm, I'm really uh, fortunate to be a part of now. Yeah, I like it. And I think that is really a great combination because as a product manager, we, we really like, I believe that I'm a product manager and I feel that I, I'm more successful when I work for the product I love. 
I use by myself. Yeah. I, I used to work for a product I, I didn't use and I didn't feel myself like really like that's, I'm doing something meaningful. So, and the, the uh, industries, the areas, what I, I love, it's really like so beneficial for product managers to succeed in this area. So I think, yeah, as a product manager, you have to find this specific like product or like area or industry, something to just and flourish there. So, yeah. And I, I'm glad that uh, that you found and you combine two, uh, two jobs, actually, like recruitment and product management to build uh product for recruiters yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely perfect let's talk about our current market uh, so like what's your uh, overview of the job market in 2023 from both sides from the side of like being a recruiter and working on the recruitment uh, field uh, and also from the product management perspective so um so I think overall in the job market, um, it really depends on the industry. Um, the type of answer you're going to get is very different. Yeah. Let's um, talk about I, tech, technology. Yeah. Focus on okay. tech. Yeah. Okay. So for um, technology, I mean, needless to say, it's been um, the most prevalent in the news. Um, you know, a lot you hear all the layoffs, you hear all of this um, stuff happening. And, um, you know, I, I don't think any of this is going to be surprising or new, but um, it's it's been a tough year. And I think um, it's largely driven by um, the fact that cash isn't as cheap as it once was. And so because cash isn't as cheap uh, at a, a macroeconomics, from a macroeconomics lens, cash isn't as cheap that means that there's less cash available for these companies to spend and um and to like r d and innovation um previously when the interest rate was super low you it was i mean you would literally be losing money if you weren't spending it right because the rate of um, inflation <laughs> was um was uh, greater than your um interest rates and so that's why all these companies were investing in r d and innovation all these things well with the interest rates now being higher and cash not being as cheap, that's where you see a lot of these layoffs happening. There's a lot of restructuring, a lot more in terms of focus back to um, core business fundamentals of profitability. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of these layoffs happening with these larger companies, whether they're, you know, Fortune 500 or whether they're even like a Series A, Series B, Series C type company. Um, they can't afford to do as much. And so they're doing fewer things um, and trying to do those better. So mm -hmm. what this all means now is you have a lot of talent available on the market. And um, that's kind of causing this like really upset system um, where people are having a hard time getting jobs. And it's not, you know, it's a lot of really, really talented, smart people out there in the tech field. Um, I do think a lot of higher level, I'd call it like mid-senior and then like, you know, higher than that, um, those roles are going to be okay, you know, um, but entry level is really, really hit hard. Um, anybody who's trying to transition into the field where they haven't previously already had that really specific experience is going to have a hard time. And even people who are experienced, but trying to transition into, say, a different niche or a different industry or a different business line you know, say going from B2B to B2C or vice versa, they're going to be having a hard time. Um, once upon a time when you, it was when the hiring market was crazy for tech, uh, the mindset was this person can learn, right? They can learn this industry or they can learn this um, customer demographic or whatnot. Um, nowadays, when you look at your pool of candidates and you have people with specific industry experience that have the specific ex um, experience for the job, of course, you're going to go with them first, you know, the hiring uh, managers and recruiters and employers now have that choice. And so that's kind of, I think, what you're seeing um, and feeling um, if you're a job seeker in the tech industry right now. Um, and um, traditionally, tech companies, uh, the hiring has just slowed down pretty drastically. Um, they, they've done the layoffs. You can look at the job postings online, and it's a lot of the same, just kind of like... Um, what, uh, evergreen we'll call them evergreen type posts they're not really new jobs they just kind of mm -hmm. have them up but 
they may or may not actually be hiring for those things. And on top of that, they're probably hiring people who are potentially laid off or furloughed first back to the company before they're going and exploring um, new talent. Interesting. Uh, Tell me more about that evergreen post. Why companies, uh, why do companies have this post if they're not hiring anyone? So anyone will tell you that if you find um, a really great candidate, that you should figure out how to hire them. Um, So really, really, really great talent um, can be a game changer for any team or company. And so a lot of these companies, even if they don't have specified headcount, they may always have a couple of postings up, especially with larger companies, um, just in case somebody comes through that like serves a very uh, niche purpose that you know, they weren't expecting of getting or whatever the case may be. Um, and to always keep that pipeline because you also want to be prepared. Like you can't just, especially for larger companies and really for any company, um, you really shouldn't ever cut off cold turkey and not ever talk to candidates. Um, because the thing about hiring is, is it's just as much of an opportunity of the right person at the right time um, as it is a need within the company. It has to be a little bit of both. And so really smart companies will always think about in the back of their head, you know, even if we don't have any active positions right now or any um, um, glaring needs, to still keep up, you know, in the back of my head, just a little bit open-minded in case somebody comes through that um, would be a really great fit or could serve a a need that, um, you know, we didn't realize that we had. So that's why a lot of times you'll still see job postings up um, and you'll never see like zero postings up at large companies. Mm-hmm. So I like this, uh, this idea of evergreen posts like uh, on the field of candidates. So you have to be evergreen candidate. <laughs> you can be always open to work and always open to new opportunity in case of the ideal company will come to you uh, and just give you a better offer. So is that true? Can you recommend that like for candidates to be always open to work? In that case, as companies do, yeah, to find Absolutely. the ideal candidate, yeah? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that I've learned at this point is like, Um, there is no such thing as a safe job and, um, there is no such thing as a perfect time. Um, and I think once you kind of accept both of these things to be true, you have a little bit more agency in your decision-making. And, um, I don't think it ever hurts just to have a conversation, even if you love your role, even if you're super happy. It never hurts to at least have a conversation. Um, there's a few things that come out of it. One, you keep your interview skills fresh. That's that's really, really important. Um, secondly, you're building relationships, right, with a recruiter, or even if it's not the right fit now, even if it's not, not the right role now, um, you never know how things might move or change. So um, one example I give is the um, um, when I went from uh, that recruiting company into the uh, insure tech company, um, actually the first time I interviewed, uh, it ended up not working out and I stayed at the recruiting company another year. Um, and then a year later, when I left that recruiting company, I reached back out and then I, I started a new job at that company. So it was a year before that job, actually the job I ended up taking actually happened. Um, but the conversation started well before then. Right. And, um, you just, I, I think it's always um, a good mindset to be open-minded. I, I like the analogy of companies will always have evergreen jobs open. Um, as a candidate, uh, I, it, I don't think it hurts at all to uh, keep yourself at least open to a conversation. Yeah, yeah. That just came to my mind when I was listening yeah, to Yeah, I love thing. that. Wow, yeah. That can apply to candidates as well. Why companies do yeah. that and candidates do not? Yeah, do that. <laughs> Yeah, Great. absolutely. Yeah. So how this uh, market um, actually like impact uh, product managers? Yeah, so it's always been hard to get into product management. Um, I mean, I think over the last, um, you know, call it 10 to 15 years, it's really become the hot, sexy job. Um, 
um, you know, and everyone wants to do it. Um, and now I think it's even harder. Um, the The biggest challenge with product management is it's a, it's a, it's a catch twenty two. You have to have product experience to get a product management job. Well. How do you how, get your yeah. first product management experience if nobody is willing to give you that opportunity? And, um, you know, that that hasn't changed. People have just found ways to get really creative um, to get their experience in order to do the job. So um, I think that's where it's impacted product managers a ton. Um, secondarily, there um, there's a lot of communities I'm in who've really been highlighting burnout. Product managers are really burnout. So on one end of the spectrum, it's been um, challenging for people who want to get into the field or who've been laid off and are trying to find their next opportunity to get their next job. But on the other side, you have product managers who are just burnt out. And I think you're going to also start seeing some exodus of product managers leaving the field because they're spread too thin. And there's just been a lot of go lot going on over the last years and all these changes. And I mean, you, you as a product manager, you know how stressful a product can be because you sit in the middle, but you don't, you can't actually physically do all of the work yourself. You have to rely on everyone else. Um, and yet everybody's, you know, you have to keep everybody happy. Everyone is seeing, it's just a, um, a lot. I, I think we're seeing a lot of the repercussions of that in, um, of over the last uh, few years, um, exacerbated obviously with the pandemic and um, um, all of the return to work and not return to work, uh, stuff going on here. So I think those are the two um, things that you're seeing. Thirdly, um, um, I think for product managers, because of tech getting hit so hard, I think you're going to see a shift of product managers moving into non-tech industries. Mm -hmm. um, that in particular, I'm super excited about. Um, so I think over the next decade in particular, you're going to see a lot of that. So if you think about it, all of this tech yeah, just I want to learn more about it. Like you, you which non-tech, uh, non-tech industries are they living? So when you're thinking about all of these layoffs that are happening, you know, um, LinkedIn and Google and Meta and yada yada yada. Um, insert blank. Um, you have a lot of this really, really um, high caliber, really great talent that. Um, you know, there's not, they're not, those type of tech jobs aren't reopening at the same pace in which um, they're shutting down, right? So that means these people can go in, in a number of areas. They can go start their own company, which I think you're seeing that, which is pretty exciting. Um, I think you're seeing kind of this like startup resurgence happening from a lot of this talent who are now creating their own opportunities. Um, or you see people moving into a different type of field. Or you start seeing people enter um, these non-traditional tech industries like construction, retail, um, industries that are not sexy and could previously not afford to compete against a Google or a Meta. They can't pay what a Google or, or Meta pay, right? Um, but now this talent's available. Um, they're still booming. Um, you know, construction in particular, that one comes top of mind for me. But um, um They've got money and there's this ripe or trucking is another really great one in industry as well. That's um, non-sexy um, and they're ripe for disruption. There's a lot of opportunity because uh, not a lot has shifted over the last, you know, um, decade or two. So I think that's where a lot of uh, opportunity is for this tech talent to shift is into some of these non-traditional tech industries um, and to add tech enabled functionality into these types of spaces. Um, you know, I'm biased. We're, we're, we're in HR tech, recruiting tech right now, non-sexy, um, slower to change type industry. And I think that's what makes it so exciting because there's a lot of opportunities for um, improvements and for change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on what type of work are they doing? They still like the same tech, uh, like digital product management or something else. So I can't, I can't it, imagine it, that. Yeah. That, like retail, for example, Walmart, they do have their mobile application. They do need product managers to work on mobile applications. So is this uh, like uh, areas that you're talking about or like a completely different? I don't oh, know. Being I mean, that, that's a included. construction manager. I don't know. <laughs> that's included. But if you like, I mean, if you think about product management, what, what is it all rooted in? A problem, a problem that users face. So, you know, if you're talking about retail, like, you know, look at what um, 
Nike's been doing with, uh, you know, a, a while back, I think they acquired what was like Matt Myron or something like that. Like they're all in it. They're integrating the tech into the actual clothing to start building a digital uh, lifestyle um, and have all of this data and information. Adidas is starting to do the same thing with their membership um, signups. Um, you talk about Walmart, Walmart has their subscription, Walmart Plus, they're trying to get into that game where, again, they're trying to start a better connecting the dots between all of these um, um, physical in-person experiences. Um, you turn to something like construction. I mean, there are a number of problems. You can be solving a problem for a construction manager. You can be solving a problem for um, the workers on the field. Like, how do they track their hours? How do they report incidences? How do they do safety checks? Like, you know, all, all you have to do is start from a problem, right? Like oh, what, digital what problem, needs, yeah, what, what digital. problem needs to be solved and how can, and I think um, rather than thinking of technology as what's leading it, Think of the problem that what's 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 the problem that's leading it and how can it be better solved with technology? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I recently conducted an interview, user interview for construction, um, how the real estate can use a digital twins technology, uh, 3D environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a great combination of uh, kind of old fashioned industry, how they showcase their properties especially with uh, which is under construction and they cannot actually showcase uh, to their potential investors. And uh, on the other hand, there's 3D and virtual reality technology. So like, that helps to, uh, construction managers to like a sales managers to showcase their new property. So that's a, like, was, a great combination. Yeah. There's a, um, um, I met someone who uh, heads product at a, a drone company um, like a year or two ago, and they're doing some really cool work where it's on agriculture. It's helping oh, yeah. um, farmers, you know, um, you know be, be able to better predict um, their uh, planting schedules and all of these things using drones to survey the areas and help them kind of use data to make smarter decision making. I mean, you take, um, and they do this for um, construction as well, right? To do site surveys like that before, you know, you have to manually do and you have to like, consider weather conditions and all of these other factors. And I, I mean, I think these are things, again, just very traditional ways of doing work that still need to be done, but how can it be enhanced, done mm -hmm. better, um, done more accurately um, with the help of technology? Cool, yeah. And I've heard about even government. Also, the government uh, wants to digitalize their services as well. So they also hire product manager from big tech sure, to just yeah. improve experience. Yeah, um, that's that's super interesting transition. I really want to see uh, what's going on in like five years in this area. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about challenges. What challenges do product managers face right now when looking for a job? Uh, and what mistakes do they make? Let's talk about like uh, middle or senior product managers, not junior so far. So needless to say, um, as we've already discussed, there's a lot of competition. Um, I think the answer to this question largely lies in um, individual circumstance. So are you in a position that you can kind of still hold out for something that um, you love? Or are you in a situation which is perfectly fine to you that you just need a job? And I think being able to answer that question is really important to how you steer your job search. Um, if it's the former where, you know, you're, you're, laid off and big company got a big fat severance and um, you've got savings put away and you can really be picky and choosy about what you want to do next. You should absolutely be picky, right? Um, make sure it's like, fine. Think, think about like what it is that inspires you. What do you want in your next role? What did you like about your last role? What do you want in your ne next role? And you can be picky. Um, if you're in a situation where um, time is of the essence and you just need to get your next job, you're going to have to lower your standards a little bit. Um, companies aren't paying what they were paying before. I think that's first and foremost. And um, you might just have to think about it as an in-between job until the market heats up or that next opportunity, you know, comes about and then you're able to make that move into your next role. 
Um, so I think that's the first consideration to make is um, um, it's not what it was a couple years ago where PMs have the power to negotiate. Um, it's just not that. That's the reality. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people have going into it is um, being aspirational, but also not tapering that with a little bit of realism and uh, a little bit of a bite of humble pie, <laughs> if you will. Um, so not to say that to uh, uh, dissuade anyone or, um, you know, you should always take chase after your dreams. But if your individual circumstance begs something different, um, it's okay. It's okay to like settle for a short period of time before making your next move. Um, and then I think as far as um, other mistakes, uh, I think the top thing is what we talked about earlier is people not diversifying their job search strategy. Um, you should really treat your job search strategy like you would any other, you know, product A-B test or iterative test that you do. Um, it's going to be different for each person for market, for each market, yada, yada, yada. So like start on a path, have a strategy in place, like look at the data. Is it working? Is it not working? If it's not working, tweak it, try something different. Don't keep trying the same thing if it's not working for you. Um, I recently just had a, a meetup with a, a group of women in Nashville earlier this week. And um, that's exactly what one of the women shared was how she changed her strategy. Like for the, you know, she, she was fortunate where she got a little bit of a um, severance from her last place. And so she mads it out and said, okay, for the first like two or three months, I'm only going to target my dream jobs, the jobs that I really aspirationally want to go after. And after I run out of that time, she time boxed it. If I don't find something by then, I know I have this much burn left and I need to just like find a job period. And then she adjusted her job strategy accordingly. So I thought that was really, really smart because, you know, she's still going after what she wants to, but then like she time boxed it. And realistically there's a problem that needs to be solved. And at one point, at some point that problem is I need a job. I need to pay the bills. Um, so her priority shifted a little bit and her search strategy shifted a little bit at that result. Um, Additionally, I would say don't just apply like you got to go out and talk to people. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is um, you can't just like send it out into the ether and then just like cross your fingers and hope you've got to be a little bit more proactive than that. So reach out to people on LinkedIn, network, ask for referrals, like build relationships in addition to just doing the applications. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like that you mentioned that like uh, realism. I think, yeah, we all need to come back from aspirational like product management to be like realistic product management. And also I noticed that in a big tech companies as well. So Meta mentioned that efficiency would be their goal. So I, I just remember the PM yeah. interviews like a few years ago and uh, on that product design interview, you have to build like a spaceship, yeah, <laughs> without any budget restriction. And now the market changed and you need to be yeah. more, more lean. Yeah. Or like MVP approach. Okay. We need to um, like think about budget about money i'll be more lean like uh, like use that like uh, count this uh, calculate this unit uh, economy etc so you need to calculate the return on investment like etc so yeah. even at meta efficiency uh, is a is a kind of new value probably so that's like interesting um uh, shift uh, even in big tech and i think for like um product managers are, um uh, it should be also a goal and also i like your idea just do not just apply uh yeah and we will talk about network a little bit later today because i think it's a very important topic but yeah and think about your strategy your strategy should be also like flexible and as a product manager yeah you can apply your product management skills to uh, your job search the same like it's a, it's a problem solving experience yeah think about from this uh, job search problem from different angles uh, like think about multiple solution test it mvp uh, uh, ab test i don't know like apply uh, any other like uh, out of the box and think uh, out of the box yeah create something yeah. new yeah absolutely so I, yeah 
I like it. I it's like all it. about standing out right now. I mean, I, I think that's the um, uh, core of it all is as a job seeker, um, where, how, what are the ways in which you can stand out? Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that the hardest way to stand out is is one application amongst hundreds of applications. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, um, you know, we're all in product here, when you look at metrics and numbers and conversions, if your um, funnel number, top of your funnel number is smaller, then you're going to have a better chance at like, you know, standing out and being able to convert to the next, like next place. So if you're talking about hundreds of resumes and your small chance of being able to like, you know, be that 5% of hundreds of resumes versus, I don't know, let's say, um, you know, for all of the hundreds of thousands of applications recruiters get, they probably get lots of emails, but probably not as many emails as applications, right? Mm -hmm. And so then now when you think about like the percentage of response rates that you might get from that, I mean, is like, call it 10 or 15% response rate out of 100? Is that a better chance than like, 5% out of like, 500? Um, you know, use use your skills in that way to like, optimize your funnels and optimize your channels. And it's not to say like, don't do any of these things, but like spread out, spread out your efforts. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So uh, product managers should be focused so and like prioritize their activities you cannot yeah. do everything at the same time so what would you recommend uh like to help pms to secure a job offer maybe like to focus on something more specific so i think um focus absolutely um you can't do everything at once but also create repeatable processes right like i think that's the other part is um you know when you say hey, go, you know, reach out to recruiters or whatnot. How do you systematize it? I mean, you do this day in and day out as a product manager. Again, apply that. Don't work harder, work smarter. Find ways that you can systematize your process so that you're getting that reach and you're getting that um, efficiency in the work that you're doing, but you're also, um, you know, being able to essentially target more channels. <laughs> um, so, whether that's splitting up your day of uh, your week of saying, Hey, like I'm going to spend like 20% of my time on this type of activity, 40% of time this week on this type of activity. And then like, you know, high level track the results of those activities and see what is yielding the best type of um, results. And then based off of the results, then tweak your week to week on where you want to spend more time of your activity. Um, so, you know, you want to take a focused approach um, but you do that in a way to basically understand what works for you and what works for the type of jobs you're seeking so that you can optimize and spend more time on the things that are yielding returns. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. So, but um, anyway, can you recommend something for product managers to secure a job offer? Um, I can recommend things to try. There's nothing that will secure you a job offer, period. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, not I, there, silver I, I bullet. Think, yeah. I think there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. And I, I think that's the, that's the thing that, you know, a lot of these things, um, I think that's something that um, for job seekers that are frustrated in the process, like I, I can see it being frustrated looking on LinkedIn and seeing all these clickbait stuff and like, this is the one thing you need to do. And it's like, that's not true. <laughs> There okay. is no one thing. It's a myriad of like it's just a, mixed a whole, up. whole yeah. bunch of things. Yeah. yeah. And, and a little approach. bit of a little bit of timing and luck too. And um, so I I, do, I don't want to go and oversell it and say there's one thing you can do. Now, that being said, um, if you're not trying to reach out and talk to hiring managers, if you're not reaching out and trying to contact recruiters directly, start doing that. Do that. Um not to say that that'll be your silver bullet, but I think in just trying to talk to a hiring manager, reach out, you're going to get a ton of no's and a ton of people who are going to ignore you. But by applying to a job, trying to find, hey, who might be the leader, the hiring manager, who's the person that's actually like, like this person's going to report to on their team. That's who you need to target and try to find. LinkedIn's great for that. Um, you know, they make it very easy to search and you can stalk people all day and just send them a, a little message of, saw your job posting, see that this is what you're looking for. 
this is, you know, what I can bring to the table that helps solve that problem of this gap that you have. Um, we should have a conversation, essentially. Um, start doing that. Um, that's not going to hurt. And if anything, um, even if that job doesn't work out or whatever the case may be, you've made a connection. Um, and maybe they recommend you to someone else. You've now expanded your network. So, um, you know, I think don't be afraid to just meet people in this type of environment. Um, ask for help. Ask for other connections. And um, make sure you're talking to people if you're not doing that already. Yeah. And I've heard that people are afraid of doing that because they are afraid of rejections or ignore. Yeah. Or like yeah. If you're afraid of rejection and ignore and being ignored or whatnot, then product management is not for you. <laughs> True. I mean, fair. let's be, let's be real product management. Like you're going to be wrong more times than you're going to be right. And um, I think this is just good practice of not being afraid to just try. Um you know, it's it, it's not it's never easy to be rejected, but I will say it gets easier if you're doing it, you know, at scale. <laughs> and you will be rejected in, in anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. And all you need is just just the one yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Okay, now let's talk about transitioning to product management. Um, is it <laughs> still possible, or is is PM role still attractive nowadays? <laughs> Um, so for your first question on, is it possible? Yes. Like everything's always possible. You know, that, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the short answer. It's, everything's always possible. And is it still attractive? I mean, I'm biased. Um, you're biased. We're in product. Of course, it's an attractive career. It's, it's, um, I'm biased and I think it's the best career in the world. Now that said, it's harder than it's ever been. Like we talked about previously. So, um, I think the, biggest thing just to make sure that it's a good use of your time if you're trying to transition into product management is make sure you actually understand what product management is um if you haven't i mean i remember um um at a previous company um i was interviewing for product interns and um there was one year i had like a number of interviews like people literally came to interview for a product internship job and when i asked them um, what is your understanding of what product managers do? They couldn't answer the question. Um, it's internship, whatever. But still, I, I think that that's really stuck out to me in realizing how many, how few people actually understand what product management actually is. So if you haven't done the research yet, there's a lot of amazing online content. Um, Teresa Torres has a wonderful blog, Marty Kagan and the SV. PG group. It's all free content. Mind the product um, who's been acquired by Pendo. Like there's just so much ample free content out there that there's no excuse not to have sat down and just like watched a few things, read a few things, and at least have an understanding of what does the job actually entail. And if after doing that, you still want to do the job, um, pursue it. And sometimes you might have to say, Hey, I'm, I need to, you know, get a tangential job first. Uh, maybe it's a customer success role that works next to product, or maybe it's a project management role that works with product to kind of get closer to it in order to transition into it. That's that's what I did um, at the last, um, mm -hmm. at my previous company. Um, and that's okay too. But I think the number one thing is just make sure you know that this is what you want to do before you go and say, you know, go towards the hard fought battle of trying to get a product yeah. role. But for for people who are actually watching us for about an hour and they might not understand who product manager is, can you give your description, your understanding of product manager for like brief understanding? We don't need to oh, repeat. Oh man, putting me, on this, <laughs> putting me on the spot here. Um, so I think to me, so the number one thing that um, um product managers help do is they help um, they help a team or a company or organization, whatever it is, they help a group go and achieve an outcome, right? I think everything that a product manager does is rooted in defining the right problem to drive a specified measured outcome. And all of the activities that follow are all about driving that outcome forward. So that includes, um, that can include prioritization, that can include 
working with design on what's the actual right way in which to manifest you know, the solution um, that could be working with engineering to talk about, okay, we have this much money left and we have to solve this problem. Like what's the fastest way to get there? Like you could be working with a number of different people, but all of it is centered around um, helping all of these different groups um, make the right decisions to effectively come together to achieve an outcome um, for the user, but also for the business. It's gotta mm -hmm. be both if they're not mutually exclusive. So um, that's, I think that's to me the, what product does and the biggest distinction I think that often gets confused between product management and um, product management is in project management, um, you're just doing the execution. In product, you actually have a say in the strategy and the direction and the like, the why, why are we doing this? Is it even important? Um, what's the impact and how are we measuring to make sure that, um, we're either going to continue down this direction or try something different to try to achieve this outcome. Yeah. I love this uh, definition. I also use these outcome words and the outcome can be, can be very different. Depends on the yeah. company, depends on the product. It can be Absolutely. very, very different. It's not something specific. Yeah. It's just might be really anything you can build and do. And even your career is a product. Yeah. You can absolutely yeah. apply these product management skills to building your career, to finding a job, to building your life. Life is a product. A great example. Yeah. We are all product managers of our It's just life, all yeah? about like rallying um, everybody around this common outcome that like at the end of the day, if you can think about all of the culmination of actions that we're all doing um, in a given team in a given company, what's the one purpose that we're trying to drive here, right? And um, um, I think that's where product managers are situated is their ability to um, do that is kind of speak that common language for, yeah. for um, various functions. True. So how can uh, product managers, like junior product managers start their career in 2023 uh, if they don't have actually experience how to do that and how to find a job you all already yeah, mentioned so that as chicken egg problem to be a product manager <laughs> to start career as a product manager you have to be a product manager yeah right so um if you had the luxury to be able to take an internship um whether that's paid or unpaid if you have that luxury to do an internship that's probably the easiest, I say easiest way, easiest way because that is in fact catered towards people with no experience yeah. to get real life experience, right? It's hard um, to find this opportunity, They are, right? they are, they are. So I'm starting there. That's probably the most obvious way. Um, if you do not have that luxury, um, I would look at um, product adjacent roles. So look for companies that have strong product teams and have a good strong product culture and um, try to find those companies and take any role within that, that you get a chance to like, see how a product org is run, be a part of that org. And what I mean by that is um, it can be, um, it could be a large company that has a product organization and maybe there's like a project management org or a customer success org that like works with them or a marketing org that works closely with product that gives you that exposure into how the product team works. And if by working alongside them, it makes it much easier to either transition internally within the company or have very specific things you can speak to when you're interviewing for your next role. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, I, you can I, I, I can, can, yeah. Can, can you give me like a few examples of these product adjacent roles? Yeah. So like a customer success, like I mentioned, um, Man, mm -hmm. um, like um, marketing, Mm -hmm. Product marketing, those are adjacent. Um, project management, some companies will have separate project managers from um, product. Um, trying to think what else. I think even um, like QA, design, yeah, also, Q yeah. yeah. Even engineering can be a product managers if yeah, they want yeah. like solving problems but, and talk to people. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> The I mean, there's a lot there there's a large volume of product people who come from an engineering background yeah yeah i mean a, a lot of like these large organizations are yeah like started from yeah. an um, engineer yeah. so um so yeah 
anything that works alongside product. Um, mm-hmm. And you can ask that in an interview process. You can ask about the product culture there. Um, secondly, mm-hmm. product-led companies. So if you're looking at more small to mid-sized companies, if it's a product-led company, you're going to get a feel for the product pro- process, especially for smaller to mid-sized companies where it's just that much more palpable and it's hard to escape um, that type of test and learn type mentality, the mentality of talking to customers, the mentality of looking at data to help inform decision-making, uh, all of those type of things. Um, um, that would be my other recommendation is to target those types of companies. Perfect. So internship, product adjacent role, um, and product-led companies. That's yeah. your three suggestions. Perfect. And, perfect. and uh, you know what? You can start your own thing too, right? Like, like I, I've I've interviewed people that um, you know maybe they work for a product company that was just really slow and they didn't have a lot of autonomy because of the company they worked for, but they had side projects. They started like an Etsy shop or something, or they started like a consulting business or something. You know, like um, we're in this creator type of economy. It's really easy nowadays to set up a website or Etsy shop or a Shopify account or something. And just like, like create something on your own and speak to, Hey, here's how I manage this as a product. Um, all you need to do is have something where you can speak to your understanding, not only your understanding of how product management works, but your ability to actually materialize that into results. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we can come back to your definition of product management to have this outcome. So you can build your own stuff and make this outcome for your own business or for your pet projects or side project, whatever. Absolutely, your... yeah. Yeah, you, even like Etsy shop you, you mentioned. Yeah. So if you can yeah. prove that in your resume that you uh, had a outcome, you know who are your customers, you satisfy their needs, you were able you to know, make money, competitors. Yeah, yeah, competitors, like everything else. So you just build something. Um, you can put it uh, in your resume and just prove that you're able to make this outcome and make things done, actually, as a product manager. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, what else can you recommend for existing or future product managers right now in 2023 to land a job? Yeah, Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, um, don't do it alone. Um, I think that's the, it's, it's like we mentioned before, it's really tough out there. Find yourself a support system. And I don't just mean your spouse. I don't just mean your family members. Um, find yourself a community in the product space, preferably also job syncing. Um, you're going to be able to share best practices. You're going to feel less alone. And those relationships are also, um, going to serve you longer term as well. So we talk a lot, we, t- we spoke a lot earlier throughout the session about networking. Um, that's continues to be my biggest piece of advice. And I know networking is broad and intimidating for a lot of people. Um, but as with anything, use this as an opportunity to ask for help. Use this as an opportunity to connect with people. I think you'd be really surprised at how many people out there are willing to help and willing to give their time and have been in your shoes before. So. Um, there's no reason to go about it alone. It's um, that much more lonely and stressful when you do. So seek help, find support, use it as an opportunity to meet more people, to to gain friendships, mentors, and others within the community. Perfect, perfect. And sign up for Jenny's LinkedIn profile because (laughs) Jenny is talking a lot about some useful stuff about recruitment and product management. You can find a lot of information. Jenny, thank you so much for a very insightful conversation. And today we learn how a product manager can pass through job uh, like search process and land their job search and st- or start PM career in 2023. Everything is possible, as Jenny mentioned. Yeah, it's still PM uh, job is still attractive. It may be harder nowadays, but still possible. If you want to learn more about Jenny's PM journey and her company IQ Recruit, please reach out to 
her directly. I will leave her contact information in the video description below. If you need to improve your uh, resume or LinkedIn profile, you can reach out to me and go to my website, ananamova.com to schedule a call with me. If you like this video, please give uh, it a thumbs up or share it with your friends on social media who might be uh, interested in this topic. And of course, subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any future video about immigration to the U.S., job search or product managers, management. Thank you so much again, Jenny. Thank you for everyone to watching this video. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me, Anna. Thank you. Bye-bye.